All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi. Today is June 11th, Saturday. Uh, once again, wanted to do this on um, Wednesday night and have it out there for you, either Wednesday night or Thursday. was going to have a guest on this week, but I'm going to do something special with the guest next week. So uh, I am doing this here for you. Saturday night, it will be um, up tonight. And uh, I have what I think is going to be one of the best Verzi Effect podcast shows uh, yet, episode 20. I'm just putting it out there. This is going to be a good one. I got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. And uh, I started the show with uh, the Eye of the Tiger music, which is going to be relevant because the movie segment of today's show is a very special one which is going to involve um, not only uh, a brand new release movie that I saw last night, uh, but also the Rocky movies, uh, one through six. Uh, we're going to rate them. I'm going to rate them. You can tell me, uh, you know, via email, comment on iTunes, comment on my, um, you know, Facebook page. Uh, whatever you want to do, but I am going to be rating the Rocky movies 1 through 6, talking about Rocky, um, and I'll tell you why that even came up, because uh, myself and a bunch of comedians were talking about it the other day, so I got that. I got a ton of stuff on sports that I wanted to talk about, like, um, you know, just everything going on with the NBA Finals, LeBron James, you know, the Heat and Maverick series, so I'm going to talk a lot about that. We got Unacceptable for the Week. Um, and, uh, it's going to be a good one. So what I want to first start out by saying is I should actually be, um, on the road this week because I was booked, uh, upstate in, uh, Alexandria Bay, New York at Wise Guys Comedy Club. And, um, I want to start off by saying, you know, um, what happened was no disrespect to the to the owners, to the bookers, nothing like that. The people that run that place are great. However, I canceled the gig um, for reasons which I am going to uh, disclose right now. Basically, um, I worked for these people in Syracuse a few weeks ago, and it was fine. Uh, they kept me in a Crown Plaza hotel. You know, I, I sold my T-shirts on the road. I made some decent money, you know, with the gigs. It was a good It was a good weekend, and everything was fine. And they asked me to, to, to do their new room. Um, they asked me to do their new room in Alexandria Bay, which is, um, I guess what, uh, about an hour and a half north of Syracuse, so pretty far, because the drive to Syracuse is almost four hours from me, and now you're talking another, so you're talking a good five and a half, almost six hours that I would have had to drive, um, and the gig was not paying that well, but knowing the money wasn't that great, I still said, you know what, stage time is, um, you know, invaluable, I want to get up on stage, I want to, uh, work out the new material that I'm working out, and, uh, you know, just get better, you know, I'll stay in my hotel there, I'll write, I'll get some work done, I'll get some rest. You know, it was a Thursday and Friday uh, and Saturday, but I would only stay two nights and drive home Saturday night after the second show, getting home all hours of the night, but that's what we do, that's what we comedians do. Um, you know, we want our own bed. I'm not going to fucking stay in Alexandria Bay, New York, um, you know, and, and then wake up Sunday and take the whole day driving. I'd rather just drive through the night and get home and be home on Sunday. So that was my plan. Um, however, what happened was I was told that um, there would be no hotel, that I would be staying in an apartment on top of the comedy club. Um, this was something that I really couldn't accept doing. 
Uh, not that I'm a prima donna, everybody. Not that I'm a, you know, a dick or that I feel like I'm entitled to more. It's just I was already accepting a gig for not great money, which was six hours away from my home. And I thought at least I'll be in a hotel where I can write and go about everything. But no, they wanted me to stay in a two-bedroom apartment with the other comedian and share a bathroom. Uh, now, a lot of times, for you people that don't know comedy, some comedy clubs on the road have what they call the comedy condo, right? And the comedy condo is basically, you know, it's a condo that the club bought. There's a couple of bedrooms. The middle act and the headliner have their own bedroom. The headliner has a bigger bedroom, sometimes a better TV in their room. But a lot of these places are gross. A lot of these places are shitty. Um, there's only a couple um, you know, I heard some other comedians were talking about the worst ones on their podcasts too, but just a real shitty thing. And a lot of times when comedians start establishing themselves and make a name for themselves, they basically say like, I'm in a hotel and that, you know, and that's basically, you know, it, um, I'm not saying that I'm entitled to, to all of that yet. And if, 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 you know, if the situation's good, you know, and it's not a fucking shithole that nobody would stay in, um, I'll, I'll do it, you know? And if I know the comedian, a lot of times you go with a friend, um, the comedy condo down in Myrtle Beach is not that bad. It's actually really nice, and I usually go there with a friend, and you got the two rooms, and there's a living room and stuff, and you're hanging, and that's cool. But for the most part, you know, I'm a grown man. I got a family. I need to stay in a damn, I need to stay in a, in a, in a hotel, okay? So, uh, the Friday before the gig, they said to me, okay, we just want to confirm um, you'll be staying in the apartment upstairs from the club, get the keys from the manager. And right away I said, listen, before I confirm this, you know, that's not something I'm comfortable with. Or I'm not going to be away from my fucking family, six hours away, sitting in an apartment. I don't care if it's a new apartment or not. I got to share a bag. I got to worry about taking a leak or if I got to take a shit, I got to worry about if some fucking comedian that I don't know is in there and I'm sitting around all day, six hours away from home for shit money to do five shows in the middle of nowhere. That's not going to happen. So um, I basically turned down the gig. And I got to tell you people, it felt really, really good to turn down a gig because sometimes you just have to know what your limits are and you have to know when to say no. Um, you know, I've talked about that before. There's a book, The Power of No. You got to know when to say no sometimes because as a performer, you know, as an artist, all we want to do is work. You know, the more work, the more money, the better we get. We're honing our craft because we're trying to get great. We're trying to get better and better at what we do. So we've always been accustomed to saying yes you know i remember when i first started comedy you know two years in if somebody said oh, i'll come down we'll give you 40 bucks to get on stage that was awesome you know so you're so used to saying yes 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 but now you know even sometimes hundreds of dollars doesn't make sense if if it's not right so um you know that that's basically what it came down to i was literally thinking about it and i'm going i've already agreed to do five shows for money that's you know, borderline insulting. Okay. Um, and, and, but listen, that's, that's what the thing was. I was, and I, and I want to say this has nothing to do with the, the owner or the booker. I had a week free. They asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, yes, for bad money. So I'm not putting that on them. I agreed to that. Uh, like I said, I'll stay in my hotel. I'll get some stage time, but no, what happens is I find out the, you know, the, the day that I got to confirm that, oh, I'm going to go get some keys. So me and this other comedian are going to have a key to this apartment that has two bedrooms. we got to share a bathroom. And I don't care even if the comedian's cool or not. But, hey, what if the comedian's not cool and he's a dick? 
You know, what if the comedian is cool, but I'm sitting there, there's really no TV in my room, and he's, you know, fucking in the bathroom doing whatever. I don't want to deal with that. So I turned the gig down, and I, I'm actually really glad I did, because I went down to the city um, on Thursday night. I did a spot. I've been, you know, going over my clean TV set, which I'm still working on, and I'm basically three-quarters of the way there. And um, it's been great spending time with my family. Um it's been awesome, so uh, I, I did not do that, and um, you know what? I'm glad. It was one of the first times I actually told a booker. And listen, if I if I burned a bridge, that, that wasn't my intention, but it's just one of those things where I look at it and I'm like, hey, um, at the end of the day, if the decision I made, which I still feel to this very minute was 100% the right one, or I'm not going to go and do something which is going to make me uncomfortable that far away from home, um, you know, I, I just feel like if that, if, if doing that is going to make me not work with these people again, um, I don't want that to happen, but I'm prepared to, to deal with that and stick by my decision. And I would tell them exactly that. So, um, that's why I am home. I am free this weekend and, uh, I am enjoying it. So that's, that's basically what happened. I just didn't want to, plus you don't know if a guy's a dirty bastard, you know, some guy's jerking off in the bed. I'm not saying that that's what he's doing, but you know, you don't, you don't want to deal with that. You know, what, what if, what if, even if it's a new apartment, it's, it's in, it's above Syracuse, like new to them could be, you know, new to them could look like, you know, 1995. I don't want to be there. Um, and what if I don't have a, a TV or how about this? What if there's no TV in either bedroom? So the comedian's got to sit awkwardly in a living room watching a TV. Then who, who's, you know, what do you pick to watch? Cause then you're going to, I'm cool. I'm, I'm easy going. So I'd watch what he wanted to watch. What if he wanted to watch something shitty? You know, I don't want to sit there and watch, you know, during the day something stupid with some guy I don't know. I wanted to get work done, so fuck that. I'm glad I did what I did. I don't have to worry about seeing hairs in a bathroom and deal with that. Um, so I'm basically, basically people, what I'm trying to tell you is I am at the level now in my career where I will travel and I will, you know, try to be as flexible as I can with money where at least I'm making sense and making money, but I need to be in a hotel and 90% of them put you in a hotel, but there are those few that try to say, oh, we got this nice little thing around the corner. There's some that are horrible. I heard the one in Milwaukee looks like a fucking meth lab where it's just this disgusting smelling thing and they just have like this big apartment with empty rooms that comedians stay in. It's disgusting and I'm not doing it. So, uh, that's that. Um, and, uh... <laughs> Jesus, man. I, and you know what? I was still... The funny thing is, as a performer, I was still so guilty because I wanted work. I needed work. And it's hard. You can't last minute fill in those spots when you don't do it. So, like, I'm, I'm you know, luckily I had some friends in the city, some people that, you know, book clubs that hooked me up and got me on stage. But I definitely missed out on shows this weekend because I last minute said, no, I'm not doing that. But I also last minute found out it wasn't going to be a hotel. So, um... I'm home, and um, after I did my show uh, in the city, I uh, met up with some comedians, and we were all hanging out talking, and I'm going to segue this right into the movie um, movie portion of this podcast, which um, goes into the Rocky discussion. I'm sitting there with a bunch of comedians. It was... Um, there was just a bunch of comedians uh, hanging out. I was with Joe Matarese, uh, Justin Silver. I was with Godfrey. There was a bunch of people there. Craig Robinson from The Office. Uh, and you guys may know him from Knocked Up and Pineapple Express. The, the black dude in Hot Tub Time Machine. You know, he was there. Uh, this comedian, Mike Vecchione, was there. So we're all outside uh, the Comedy Cellar. And the, the Rocky movies start coming up. 
and we're talking, what's your favorite Rocky, this and that, and some people are like hating on the Rocky movies, so we started to do The Order, all right? Now, here's the thing about Rocky movies, okay? Everybody's got their own, you know, their, their favorite, their favorite moments. Phenomenal moments in Rocky, by far, uh, I think... Rocky Four, when they do that song montage where, where he's get, he gets in his black Lamborghini and he's driving. You know, when they do the song, There's no easy way out. I put that on my Facebook, actually. There's no shortcut home. That song, when he's driving, he's thinking about Apollo dying. And he's watching the, um, he's watching the towel fall, which symbolizes Apollo's head falling and dying. Um... You know, he's staring at the Russian, like, basically saying, all right, it's on, dude. It's me and you at the end of this fucking movie. Um, that was an awesome part. Uh, Rocky II, when um, Adrian comes out of her coma, and he's like, oh, listen, you know, I thought about it. I'm not going to get involved in that whole, you know, Apollo Creed thing. You know, basically saying I'm not going to rematch him, you know, after Rocky won. And she says, come here, i got to tell you something. And he goes, what? And she goes, come here closer. And then she says, Win. And the music comes on, and he sits back, and he starts to see. I just got to chill saying that shit. That was another ridiculous moment. Um, you know, the whole uh, Russian thing, if I could change, you could change. And I know people think it's corny. A lot of people, because now when you look at it, you know, people say, oh, but when you watch it now as an adult, it's corny and cheesy. Fine, that's fine. But you know what? It wasn't corny and cheesy then. I was, what, I was like 10, 11, 12 years old. It was fucking, it was awesome. Rocky IV was awesome. The American beating the Russian during the Cold War. It was awesome. He goes to Russia. He went to Russia to train in enemy territory while, while Drago's doing steroids and has like state-of-the-art stuff and he's got all these doctors around. And Justin Silver, comedian Justin Silver, said something so funny the other night. He was talking about how, uh, <laughs> how like there was like all these like lights and like glowing things on the treadmill. But it's, he goes, it's just a treadmill. Like what was that? Uh, which was hysterical. There's like doctors in lab suits with clipboards, and it's just a guy running around. It's really funny. And when you see it, it is kind of corny. But then. It was awesome. Rocky's running up mountains, lifting up rocks, picking up his wife, you know, doing the jump rope, living in the cabin, you know, trying to outrun the spies watching him. It was great. I loved it. He gets to the mountain finally at the end of the training and he screams Drago. You know, it was that that I love Rocky for. Uh you know, just coming back what about when he hits the Russian in the face? And the Russian bleeds for the first time, and the music stops, and then and then the guy in his corner is going, "He's not a machine. He's a man." Phenomenal. Um, Rocky Five was horrendous, and some people were arguing the greatest line. My manager Chris was saying this, and a bunch of different people were saying Godfrey was saying this. Everybody says the same thing about Rocky Five. The line where he says, "My ring's outside." Okay, I didn't hear no bell or something. My ring's outside. I get it. I know that's a cool line, but let's be honest. His real son was in the movie. You know, he's, yeah. first of all, how do you go broke? Like, it was just funny how it went from Rocky Four, him beating the Russian, and, like, you know, being, like, back on top of his game, and, like, you know, they, they live in those... And all of a sudden, like, he didn't answer the phone, or, like, Paulie answered the phone, or did something, and all the money was gone, and they're back in the same neighborhood from Square One. Number one, that was bullshit. Number two, he's fighting a guy in the streets, and the, 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 the acting was terrible. The whole, like, thing, like, trying to go back to that neighborhood. Rocky Five was, was horrible. No fighting in the ring, just street fight. It was stupid. So, um, I put that one definitely at, you know, at the end. Uh, but I will give it the moment, uh, the moment where... 
you know, he says, my ring's outside, and they go, you know, that last street fight was pretty good. Uh, Rocky three. what can you say? Mr. T, Clubber Lang, the greatest name of a villain fighter in any movie. Um, just thought it was, it was just awesome. Like, you know, it was like a guy that, you know, he couldn't beat, and, you know, I think Mickey died in three, you know, and he's crying by the, he's just crying, it was just unbelievable. Um, what else? Uh, Rocky, uh, one, of course, Rocky one's the original, I mean, won an Academy Award, uh, great movie, you know, he takes her ice skating, he's, he takes it to the, he takes it to the apartment, he's got Cuff and Link and the, his, his turtles, and just, it was just great, I mean, if, if you didn't see Rocky, okay, if you didn't see Rocky, which could actually be the unacceptable I have for this week with my wife, because my wife knows nothing about Rocky, but uh, Rocky 1 is classic. I love Rocky 2. Rocky 3, I put right after Rocky 4. Then I put Rocky 6, which is Rocky Balboa, the last one he did recently a couple of years ago. And then I put 5. So my order... So here's my order of Rocky movies, okay? Um, my order of... Oh, Rocky 1 is at least you had a prime, Mick. What about my prime? I didn't have... At least you had a prime and he's screaming at him, you know, when he's deciding if he's going to train him or not because he always used to shit on him at the beginning of the movies. Um, for you people listening to this that don't know anything about the movie, you're probably like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And for you people that are Rocky fans, you're probably like, yes, I get it. Uh, <laughs> or at least I hope so. So, so here's my order. I could put one and two in sequence... I just happen to like two better because I like when he act, you know, when he actually, you know, was gonna quit when she was in a coma, but then came back and then stood up and won at the end. So, and that, and that's my reason for it. So here's my Rocky order. My Rocky order is number two first. So I'm gonna go two, then one, okay, then four. Because I just loved the, the thing with the Russian was like when it was like, like I could felt like I could fight anybody and win. So two, one, four, three, six, five. That's what I'm gonna go. Two, one, four, three, six, five. Maybe I would flop six and three, but no, no, no. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. No, no. It's two, one, four, three, six, five. That's my Rocky order. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, and also, guys, by the way, go to iTunes and leave comments um, about the podcast because uh, that gets more and more listeners, and I'm really trying to grow this thing. Um, a lot of people from all over the country are listening, and I'm just trying to multiply it and multiply it. So please go to iTunes, leave comments, let me know. But let me know what your favorite uh, Rocky movies are in order from you know one through six. Let me know what you think. Somebody said that I'm crazy for even putting four, at, you know, and that my, uh, you know, that my order was terrible, which is funny because everybody's got their own. I mean, there's some people that love Rocky Five. I think it was terrible. You know, I think Rocky Five is kind of like up there with me, uh, with um, Godfather Three. It's like it's watchable, but almost not. You know, it's just like, all right, what are they gonna do here? I gotta at least give it its due because the movies before it has earned the respect. <laughs> you know, it's like if a if a comedian like Eddie Murphy comes back, which I heard rumors that he's gonna come back. But if a guy like that comes back, regardless that he hasn't been on stage for how many years, whatever it is, thirty years, um, you're still gonna go just because of Delirious and Raw. That's what I feel like Godfather Three and Rocky Five was. Wow, that's a really good analogy. I like that one. I like that one. So, 
Um, and Rocky Balboa was the last one he did. I thought it, well, it wasn't great, but it tied everything up. You know, Adrian died. He had a restaurant. I think he named it Adrian's. Like the girl who said, hey, you know, screw you, creepo. She was back in it. Um, you know, Spider Rico was like a old beat-up fighter just sitting in the restaurant, you know, and then they basically eating in Rocky's restaurant. And then they basically just show Rocky that he still has it, he still could fight, but he walks off in the sunset after a good fight even though he lost, and, and that's how it closed. That one I could deal with. It was like a regular fight at the end. Um, Antonio Tarver played the villain, or the, the you know, the, the other boxer. I don't know if I'm calling him a villain, but, um, you know, so... That's it. So that that's that was the Rocky talk. But, I mean, we were in the streets of New York going crazy. We even got some things on camera. We were like, oh, remember he was in the Lamborghini driving? Oh, what about, you know, when he was looking in the mirror? And, you know, you can't win. And the whole thing with him and Apollo running on the beach in three and all that stuff when it seemed like he had no, you know, he had no heart. Um, and we were getting so into it. Basically, that was borderline unacceptable, how grown men were getting excited about Rocky. But I figured, since I have a really good movie segment this week with not only the Rocky movies and the Rocky order, um, I actually went out to the movies last night, uh, or technically this morning. I saw a 12.20 a.m. showing of the J.J. Abrams, Steven Spielberg movie, Super 8. Um, and I gotta tell you, the movie was, was, was really, really good. Um, it's kind of still new to me. I'm still sitting, I'm thinking about moments, but I think it was really good. And it gave me a feel of, here's what I'll say about it. It felt like that's what mo going to the movies is all about. It takes you away into this story that some of it is very real feeling, like from your old neighborhood. And some of it is so outrageous, and like those two worlds kind of collide. I think that's a great way of saying. It. I think a great way of saying. I'm not, look, look at me giving myself credit, like making a statement and then going, "That's a great." No, no, no. But I think I I, I want to say that it's like your real life neighborhood, and you with you, your friends when you were kids, and riding your bikes and all that, and having your big aspirations and your dreams, and then this craziness. And some very far-fetched, outrageous things happen in that neighborhood. And then those worlds collide. I think they did a really good job of doing that. And I think that's what a movie should be all about. Uh, I'll say that it had um, really intense scenes at times. There were like three or four, um, you know, there were like three or four scenes where you're just sitting there and you're like, oh my God, like what's going to happen now? Like you're gripping your thing, you know? Uh, your seat you're just like holy shit did that just happen and you don't know how it's going to happen and it kind of keeps you guessing unfortunately I can't give too much of the movie away because um, it is so new still and I don't want to ruin it for anybody but there, this was pretty good man this was like I would actually there are certain people I'd go back and see this movie with certain people because I had to see it alone which uh, which kind of sucks but when you're in a the movie theater it doesn't matter if you're alone because you, you it's like you talk to somebody during the movie but you like to share it at the end you know you and your buddy leave, one of your buddies hates it, you like it, you guys call each other assholes and pussies, and then you kind of have a halfway, you know, you meet halfway on it. Um, my wife was sleeping. My older brother and his girlfriend came over last night late. He couldn't go to the movies. Stacy, my wife, went to bed, and I was like, you know what, I'm going. So I got in the car, I drove 20 minutes, and I, I went to see the movie. Um, good acting by the kids. Um, Dakota Fanning, that little blonde girl, Dakota Fanning, her younger sister is the main female character in the movie, and she did an excellent job, and, um, 
Yes, I'll basically, here's what I'll say for you people that never heard of it or don't know about it, um, I'm sure you have by now, uh, if you have a TV and you don't live under a rock, basically it's about a group of kids in 1979 in this neighborhood that are just kind of like shooting a movie. This kid wants to like make, and like they use like, I guess, it's called Super 8, like he's trying to make a movie with his camera and his film, and he's making like zombie, bad zombie like monster movies. And they go to this place, they sneak out, they go to this place, and they see an absolutely horrifying, horrific train derailment crash, explosions everywhere. And then after that happened, in the following days after that, a lot of weird shit happens in the town. People go missing and disappear. Uh, people, it's just, it's, it's kind of nuts. And, uh, and the military's involved, you don't know if there's a cover-up, and that's basically it. But I would recommend it, really, really good, very different, and a great movie experience. So, uh, Super 8, I recommend. Go see it, let me know what you think about it. Um, and uh, that's the thing, it had like a Steven, you could definitely tell Steven Spielberg's influence in the movie. Um, you know, because you, it just had that feel of like, there were times where you think you're watching a movie like Stand By Me, and then there are times where you feel like... You know, some crazy sci-fi, you know, weird, you know, it was just weird. It had like a bunch of different movies in one. It felt like sci-fi, drama, and then it also felt like, you know, this stand-by-me, old-school movie, old-movie feel. Um, so that's what I'll say about it, but, but really good. I would definitely check it out. Um, and that's it for the movies. So, uh, look at that. Finally, I got a movie thing here for you guys, a movie segment that lasted pretty much the majority of the podcast, talking about the Rocky movies. Um, please let me know your order, but uh, we had a lot of fun with that, and Super 8 uh, is in theaters now. I think it actually opened on, uh, I think it opened the uh, sneak previews were Thursday night, so, uh, but it's it's a good one, and I think, I think it'll be number one after the weekend, um, so uh, check that out. So that's um, that's the movie segment of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, now we will get right into sports. And what can I say? I am loving it. If you are like me, you are loving watching the Heat struggle and lose. Where is Lebr LeBron James is like right now. He's like, remember in, uh, I forgot what Superman it was where all kinds of bad shit was happening and all the newspapers were like, where's Superman? I think it was Superman... Th was it Superman 3? Where uh, he was... You know, all those those three guys from that planet, they were wearing those black, uh, shiny suits and they were like terrorizing shit and it was like chaos everywhere. And they're like, where are you, Superman? That's what LeBron James is right now. Nowhere to be found. Uh, something is clearly wrong. The Mavericks lead this series three games to two going into a game six, which is a potential elimination game for the Heat tomorrow in Miami. And I could not be happier. Dirk Nowitzki is playing phenomenal. And he finally got help. He finally got help from um, Jason Terry. Hit two huge threes. Jason Kidd hit some threes uh, that were really big. And, and it's just been watching them. But see, I have a theory on LeBron James now, okay? And, and, and here's my theory. Something is wrong with him, and I, I, it, it could be one of three things. Okay, number one, uh, which I don't think it is because he performed good in in Chicago. But number one could be he just can't step up in the big moment, and and you know a lot of people think that's why he left because he just couldn't do it. He wasn't the guy to do it, 
and um, you know he needed the help, and now you're kind of seeing that he likes to give the ball away. I don't know about that because against Chicago, he stepped up and had huge fourth quarters. He's had huge fourth quarters in the playoffs when he was with Cleveland. This is a theory I have. I could be crazy, but what if this guy is so selfish? Because everybody's saying he's so unselfish. That's why he left and he let somebody else be the guy and stuff. I don't think that. I think this guy is so selfish. He's been the guy since he's been in the fifth grade. And I think what's happening is I think that now he sees the world watching not Le- 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 somebody other than LeBron James be the hero, be the man. Dwayne Wade is clearly showing in this series that he is nothing short of spectacular in the big moment. He is a superstar. He's got ice in his veins. He gets it done. 32 points here, 34 points there. Big shots, you know, to win games. If it wasn't for Dwayne Wade, I think this, this series could technically be over. And... You know, obviously, if Miami wins the series, Dwayne Wade will be the MVP. So here you have LeBron James, who is supposedly the number one best player on on this planet. Okay, the NBA, the face of the NBA. This is the best guy. Okay, and he's going to be the guy to win all these next championships now. And he went to get a little help in Miami. And now he's disappearing. And the real guy is stepping up. And he's watching this. And he knows he won't be the MVP. And he knows he's playing like a dog. What if that spooked him? What if... He's so selfish, he knows that he... And, and I'm, I hope to God I'm wrong. You know, for my sake and, and the sake of all the, the sports fans out there. Um, but is this guy this fucking selfish? You know, to to just say, oh my God, I'm watching this guy. I don't even care. Like, I'm just going to give the ball up. Like, I'm just he's just down. He's out of it. That could be it. Or could could this be fixed? That's another thing. Because you can't... Listen to me. You can't tell me that a player of LeBron James's status, you can't tell me that a player of this caliber gets 11 points in five fourth quarters of an NBA final series. That just can't happen. 11 points in the fourth quarter of five total, 11 total points in five fourth quarters of an NBA finals series to win a title. He had zero in Game 4 and two points in Game 5. Game 4, honestly, it looked like it was... that he, he was so bad in Game 4 and did nothing that it actually looked like he either mentally quit. You know, people were saying he checked out. Why would he do that? Is it fixed? So, you know, that's that's the way that I look at it, and I just don't understand. That That's one theory. Um, my wife is walking in interrupting again. What are you doing, babe? Oh, my son's... My wife's putting my son to bed. And he forgot his blue blanket down here. Um, but no, that's the only thing that I could. That's the only thing that I could think about is he's either so selfish that since you know Dwayne Wade is the guy and has all the attention, and everybody's talking about how Dwayne Wade's better, that he's just disinterested and he's just passing like a little brat. I hope that's not true. But why? What else could it be? This guy has all the potential in the world. And for people that say, oh, no, he's not good in the fourth quarter. Yes, he is good in the fourth quarter. Did you see what he did against the second-best defense in the NBA in the Chicago Bulls in the fourth quarter? He was shitting on everybody. It was awesome. And, and, and I said, wow, this guy really, now I know why this guy went to Miami because he just needed extra help, but he's clearly the guy. And now that they're about to do it, since Dwayne Wade is now the guy in the biggest moment, now all of a sudden uh, LeBron James is kind of stepping aside. I think it spooked him. I really do. 
I think this guy wants to be the man, and I think that... Uh, now listen, there's two more games in Miami. If he plays spectacular and they win, fine. Maybe all is forgiven. But you know what? That still doesn't let me know that the series might not be, you know, could be fixed. And um, and uh, maybe that game four, they said, listen, you know what? If Dallas wins this one, you, you know, this is what's on the table. I don't know. And I hope not. But you never know. These fucking guys are crooks. Don't tell me Michael Jordan didn't shave points. Because there were games where Michael Jordan played. There were games where Michael Jordan played where the guy would not miss a foul shot and then he missed one foul shot in the fourth quarter with no time left and that one foul shot changed the outcome of the spread. That happened. Look it up. So I don't know. I don't know. But LeBron James, something is clearly wrong. So he's either scared in the big moment, which I, which I don't think. This is either fixed and rigged and there are certain games where he plays well and there are certain games where he doesn't, or I don't think. Or this guy is just a selfish dick who sees his counterpart being what he wants to be and it spooked him and, and he's kind of just like down about it which that's what I actually think I actually believe I'm not saying he's sabotaging his team and wants to lose but I think he would way much rather win with him being the man than Dwayne Wade I really feel like that call me crazy but um you know and then they showed a clip uh bef- I guess uh before game five I don't know if you guys saw that. He, they're, he's making, they're making fun of Dirk Nowitzki, the way Dirk always puts his shirt over his nose and the way he walks, and they're doing all that stuff. They're, you know, Dwayne Wade and, and LeBron James making fun of Dirk Nowitzki. I swear to God, there's nobody that deserves a ring more than I, the Mavericks and Dirk Nowitzki and, and Mark Cuban. He's a player's owner. He does everything for them. Dirk has taken his game. I've never seen a shooting performance like this ever. I have never seen a shooting performance like this. Like what Dirk Nowitzki's done, not just I'm talking about through everybody that it, everyone they played, uh, Oklahoma City, I think the Lakers, or they play the Blazers first, um, you know, and now and now um, the Miami Heat. So, you know, I I think Dirk is, I mean, the guy's playing with a fever. This is everything. This guy's doing it all. I hope he wins a ring. I really, really do. Um, and, and, and I hope to God that they shut LeBron's stupid face up, Dwayne Wade's stupid-looking lips and stupid face sitting there. You know, I mean, listen, he's a good player, and I don't want to talk about their... Uh, how immature is that, two of me? Just start making fun of the guy's face because they're making fun of a guy that you want to win. But no, don't make fun of a guy that's already won an MVP, that's done more and played better than both of them. He's played better than anybody in the playoffs, period. From 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 wire to wire so far right now, Dirk Nowitzki's been the man in the playoffs. And they're making fun of him. I hope to God Miami goes in there on uh, Miami goes in into... You know, they're home, excited, fans ready to go, and Dallas just beats the shit out of them and pops bottles of champagne on their floor. That would be justice and karma. And here's the beautiful thing, people. If the Miami Heat do win these two next games and they win the title, I still think it's karma that LeBron James will be recognized as playing like a dog in a lot of the games, playing like a dog in the fourth quarter where it mattered most, playing like a fucking dog, okay, where it mattered the most, doing nothing, he'll be remembered as doing that, he will also be remembered as, you know, riding Dwayne Wade's coattails to a ring, and Dwayne Wade will look like the hero who needed help, not vice versa, and Dwayne Wade will look like the MVP, which he'll get, so he's gonna, so, so either way, LeBron James lost in this whole process, there's only one thing that can happen to make this go away for LeBron James, one thing and one thing only, 
And I think that Dallas's coaching and, and, and Dallas's defense will prevent this. But the only thing LeBron James could do now to save face and win a title is play like an absolute madman the next two games. 30-plus points each game, you know, easily 7-8 rebounds, 7-8 assists, big-time clutch shots, you know, just showing he's a man, showing up in the fourth quarter, double-digit points in the fourth quarter. That's the only way. I don't think it's going to happen because I think Dallas is focusing on him and knows how to take him out of the game, and when he's not getting involved, he falls apart. Would Michael Jordan do this? No. Michael Jordan would drop fucking 25 points each playoff game he is in, maybe even more. Play good defense, no excuses, get to the hole, do everything that he can do. So, um, you know, I, I just, I, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. I want to see, I want to see them lose. And the greatest comparison I heard was by um, Tony Kornheiser. He said, Dwayne Wade is Derek Jeter and LeBron James is A-Rod. I don't even have to even elaborate on that. How perfect is that? Dwayne Wade keeps his mouth shut. He wins. He's a great player. No controversies. You know, A-Rod, what did A-Rod do? Everything in the news, this, that. He's not feeling good. He's not this. He's not playing good. All the talent in the world, always some bullshit. That's what's happening with LeBron James now. And um, I think it's a great comparison. It's perfect. But I just want Dallas to go in and ass-rape that building in Miami with a big Dallas dick right in the heart of South Beach. And I want Dirk Nowitzki's big, awkward, seven-foot German lanky body to be drop popping bottles and pouring beer on his head in clubs in South Beach all night. Just going off. That's what I want. I want the Dallas Mavericks to win that game and just march around South Beach for the whole weekend on the beach, just popping bottles, just walking up to people on the beach with bottles pouring it on their head. Saying, Mavericks, bitch, you guys choked. How great would that be? That's what I want. Oh, it would be phenomenal. There would be nothing better than to see the headlines of LeBron James' face with his head down. And I'll be honest, I don't think it's going to... I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. Because I think that... I, right now, I think it's 60-40 Dallas wins the series. Yeah, 60-40, I would say. Uh, maybe 70-30, I don't know. But I will tell you this, if Miami wins Game 6, it's going to be tough for Dallas to go into that building in Game 7 and win. I think Dallas needs to win, and they they need to win now. They need to win tomorrow night and close this thing out, shut LeBron down, you know, double-team LeBron, shut him down, keep him disinterested, keep him unhappy, and if Dwayne Wade's got to go off for 40 points and win, then you'll take that. So be it. But that's what I think you got to do. But I want this big German dude... Could you imagine the size ring that Dirk Nowitzki would get on his big, huge German ring finger? It would look like a, if you could put it around, you know, like my waist. Um, but that's what I'm hoping, and I know the majority of people are hoping. And and so many people that like, I like the people that like Miami. You're like, no, I want them to win. Fuck that, they need to win. This is good for them. They put it together. Shut up. Are you really gonna be happy? Are they really gonna be happy? If they hoist, this how sick would you be if LeBron James is holding up a trophy, crying, going, "Oh my God, I finally did it! I got the monkey off my back." Wouldn't that make you want to puke, knowing that he needed Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, the biggest free agent market ever in history, all going to the same team? You know, Pat Riley putting that together, and Pat Riley should get two rings if the, if they fucking win. But um, 
yeah, it's, it's you can't. You just can't do it. I, I, I think he put himself in a, in a, in a lose-lose. And I got to be honest, there's a comparison that I'll make. It's kind of like the Yankees, where I think, you know, as much as, as much as, you know, some, even some of my friends who are Yankee fans disagree, um, you know, and you could disagree all you want. The bottom line is, if you disagree with this, you're a moron. And I'm a Yankee fan, and I love the Yankees. But when you spend over $200 million for a payroll, and you have Alex Rodriguez standing next to Derek Jeter, Robinson Cano, Mark Teixeira, and you have CC Sabathia, and uh, you know, it just it's just all these players that they get, and free Curtis Grandison's having. I mean, I love it, but I just can't go that nuts. I feel like when the Yankees win, it's what they should have done, and and I feel like if the Yankees lose, it's how can they lose, and that's a shitty feeling to be in, and that's what I think of the Miami Heat, even more so in basketball, because there's only five players on the court, you know. Uh, so I'm hoping Dallas does it, and um, I'm hoping that they do something big in Miami. It's going to be awesome if they do. So I'm rooting for that tomorrow. So that'll wrap up sports. Um, wow, this is a big movie uh, podcast, a big sports podcast so far. Um, and now it's time for Unacceptable for the Week. And Unacceptable for the Week is something that really pissed me off. Um, I had to deal with a ticket. Uh, I was driving home from a gig. And I find out as I'm driving, the guy pulls me over and he says, uh, you know, your license is suspended. And I'm like, no, no, I lifted everything. I got everything. He goes, no, 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 there's something on there. Trust me. And I said, no, that's impossible. You know, they just looked at it and told me it's not. He goes, no, then they didn't look at it right. You have something suspended. Normally, I'd have to impound and take your car. But, uh, you know, since you're being cool, whatever, he goes, I'll give you 15 minutes to have somebody come and pick you up and take your car. And, uh, you know, you could go deal with this at the DMV on Monday. Guy was nice. Luckily, I was close to my family's house. They came and got me within like 15, 20 minutes, and uh, I had to go to court. So I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, you know, and I got to deal with all this shit. And I finally go to court uh, on, um, I go to court on, on Thursday, and I hand the lady the ticket. I go, yeah, I'm here for a 3 o'clock court. She goes, Oh, no, you you're, you need to see the judge on Monday or Wednesday. This is the wrong time. You were supposed to be here on 5-9, not 6-9. And I swear to God, the date has a 6. And she, this lady goes like this. I'm not even bullshit. She goes, oh, yeah, I know. Our, our 5s look like 6s. And there's no, like, disconnect of the line. Like, the line continues. So you know when you look at a 5, there's no such thing as the 5 goes to the hook and then stops. There's a little air. There's a little fucking space there. Right? I learned that in kindergarten. This thing connects the whole way. Okay? So, she goes, yeah, I mean, I just know because I've seen them a thousand times, but it, it is a five, not a six. So, she goes, so you're going to have to come and explain to the judge. So, I'm walking away, and I go, holy, she goes, yeah, just come Monday and talk to him. She goes, but I'd bring $200 bail money because you missed court a month ago. So, I'm walking away, and I look back at this fucking date, and it's a six again. I stop. I walk back to the window. I go, ma'am, can you come here for a second? And she comes back with a smile on her face. And I go, you mean to tell me this isn't a six? She goes, no, it's a five. I know it looks like that, but, you know, just tell the judge. So, now i got to go completely unacceptable that their printer, the cop's printers or whatever it is, prints a five that looks like a six. There's no gap in the, in the, in the number at all. And because of that, I have to deal with the shit and I could have to pay another $200. Completely unacceptable and it's just another way that they fuck you and it's part of the system. And the place where I did get pulled over is 55 miles an hour. 
I got pulled over a 58 and a 45 because it drops 10 miles an hour in one blind spot on a hill. And that's where the cops sit there and make all their fucking money. I swear to God, I hate cops. They're pieces of shit. And it's all part of the system. They fuck you over and that's what they do. I got a parking ticket at my house because I left my car there for three or four days. And they said abandoned vehicle. And it was a brand new 2010 Camry. I wrote a letter to the judge basically making fun of them going, what I really do. And he dropped it. So that's how serious that ticket was. It's completely unacceptable. Unacceptable this week is the whole bullshit, corrupt, ticket-giving, ticket-writing, quota-getting, piece-of-shit cop system, which they take all your money and they use it for the bullshit town or whatever they use it for. Completely unacceptable to show me a piece of paper that has a six, but they say it's a five, and now I'm a month late. Now I'm going to tell the judge, why would I be here on 6-9 if I thought it was 5-9? I'm here on 6-9, aren't I? Yeah, because I know how to draw a five or a six because I learned it when I was two and a half years old. Completely unacceptable and bullshit. And what I would suggest everybody listening to this podcast is go fight all this bullshit. Plead not guilty to everything, okay? Fight it and, and, and let them know. Write letters if that's what it takes. If it takes you getting in your car and driving two hours to fight it, fucking fight it because that's what it takes. Because everybody just says, oh, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to pay the fine. And that's how they fuck you. That's what they do. It's a whole bullshit scheme. They put points on your thing. And then now they have something new that came out two years ago, okay, where you don't get your license revoked if you get a certain amount of points. You just got to pay a big penalty to get your license back. So if you get 11 points, you don't lose your license now. No, it's just 150 or another $200 fine that you got to pay. Just another way for them to make money. Completely unacceptable. And fight everything. Write letters. If you get a parking ticket and it's not fair, write a letter. Don't pay it. I'm telling you, they, they said that I abandoned my brand new 2010 Toyota Camry. I wrote a letter going, really? Would I really buy a $26,000 car and a couple months later just say, ah, you know what, I think I'm just going to leave it here. I'm just going to leave it. I'm just abandoning it. I don't want it. And, and I said there was no signs on the streets that said don't leave it here. There was no sign on the street that said 24-hour parking, nothing. And you know what? I got a letter back from the judge saying this is dismissed. Dismissed. That's it. Because I fought it and I talked. Completely unacceptable. That's unacceptable for the week. So now I got to go Monday at 2.30, put a fake-ass smile on my face and tell the judge I thought it was a 6 and not a 5 and show him what I mean and have maybe $200 bail if the guy wants to be a dick and deal with this again and drive back all the way up to Poughkeepsie, New York to that shitty neighborhood. Uh, unbelievable. So that's unacceptable for the week. And, uh, oh, man, we're 47 minutes in. Um, episode 20 is a monster right now. I uh, hope you're enjoying it as much as I'm enjoying giving this one to you. Um, now the next thing is uh, the plugs, what I have coming up. And uh, basically it's going to be uh, some city spots this Thursday, which is... This Thursday, which is, I think, yeah, the 16th. Um, I am going to be at Stand Up New York working on some new material. Uh, June 18th, Saturday, I am on the 12.30 a.m. show Saturday night at Caroline's on Broadway. You can check that out. Um, and uh, also, I redid the uh, www com, my website. It's all redone. I got all kinds of uh, you know new dates there, tour dates coming up, and... You could see, you know, where I'm going to be, and also new ones are always being added to that. So please uh, definitely check that out. Uh, some cool things, you know, coming up. I'm working on uh, I'm working on some big projects now, and um, I'm really excited. I, I got 
to go into the city and do that five minutes for TV. And I think I'm about, like I said before, I'm about three, three and a half minutes done. So now it's just a matter of one or two other jokes. I'm going to put it in there. And then I'm going to tape it and we're going to submit it out there to, uh, to some talk shows. And I'm really, really excited about that. Also, don't forget, please stay tuned. I got a huge announcement coming up. Uh, one of the biggest things in my career. I'm extremely excited about it. Um, so please keep checking in. I, I can only do, I can't do it for reasons other than, than even myself because there's other other things and people involved. So I just need to wait. But I can tell you that it's a big one and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you all for your support with it, uh, with everything. Uh, keep checking back. And please, again, like I said, when you go to the Verzi Effect podcast show um, on iTunes and you subscribe or download it for free, please put comments um, in the, you know, in the comment or reviews area, you know, write down what you think about the podcast, write down, you know, if there's something that you want me to talk about on Facebook, I'll always do that, and, uh, go to the website, paulverzi.com, for upcoming shows, um, July, I have, uh, Boston and, uh, Myrtle Beach coming up, and, uh, August, I will be in Princeton, New Jersey, a catch, and I'm still waiting on a bunch of other cities, so stay tuned for that, hopefully I will be at a comedy club, um, near you, and uh, that's it. So to wrap this episode up um, for the movies, let me know your Rocky movies favorite in order, one through six. I hope you enjoyed that. And I put a little clip of the uh, No Easy Way Out song from Rocky Four on my Facebook page. <laughs> so check that out. Um, and go see Super 8 in theaters. It's the new J.J. Abrams movie um, that has a, you know, and also uh, Steven Spielberg really good movie experience i enjoyed it go mavericks fuck the police and until next week episode 21 uh, i am out thank you everybody